It's the weekend of Sunday, May 1st, and you are tuned in to the Quaker Speak podcast. I'm John Watts. Thank you for joining us. We took a few weeks off here just uh, working out the kinks on our brand new podcast, but we're back now. I hope you didn't miss us too much. Of course, if you did miss us a lot, you can always subscribe at quakerspeak.com slash subscribe and get our weekly videos in your inbox. So um, about the podcast, every weekend we post a new episode of these short audio clips from interviews that we've done with interesting and thoughtful Quakers. Quaker speak interviews are a little different than normal interviews. We start out in silence and um, spend some time in worship so that the questions and the answers in the interview arise from a grounded silence. So I'm excited to bring you these conversations in the hopes that they are useful to you as a spiritual practice and also that you can join us in that worshipfulness. Before we get started this week, I just wanted to tell you that Quaker Speak is a project of Friends Journal, which is a monthly Quaker magazine for a starting rate of just $28. Just $28, you can get a year's worth of issues of the magazine and support all of the work that we do here in the Friends Journal office, including Quaker Speak. Um, please visit friendsjournal.org slash subscribe. So when I first moved to Philadelphia, one of the names that I heard most regularly was uh, George Lakey. A longtime activist, author, and professor, George's body of work is impressive, as is his commitment to the work. And, and George is not just well-known in Quaker circles. He's actually well-known all over the world for his approach to activism and social change. When I caught up with him, he was a, uh, a visiting professor at Swarthmore College, and he was giving um, a series of classes on alternatives to uh, violent approaches to, um, to dealing with terrorism. So really, really interesting guy doing some really great work. Um, he, he's, he's so well known, actually, for his pragmatic approach to nonviolent resistance. I thought it might be interesting to ask him about the spiritual roots of nonviolence in Quakerism. And the answer he gave was um, really great. Uh, listen in. So Fox said, we do not war with outward weapons. Our understanding of Jesus is he will not ask us to do outward weapons. He, he's not the kind of, we don't, uh, we don't understand the Holy Spirit that one minute says, oh, be peaceful, and the next minute go out and kill a lot of people. We don't understand that kind of spirit. The spirit we experience is one that is consistent and wants us not to war with outward weapons. I'm George Lakey, Philadelphia Quaker. Uh, we're going through a paradigm change right now. And it's something I didn't know if I would ever live to see because the paradigm that says when push comes to shove, you have to use violence is so <laughs> tough and it's been around for tens of thousands of years, right? It seems as, as obvious as, um, as the paradigm once was that the earth is flat. Everybody knows the earth is flat, right? And, well, not any longer. But that's how tough, how toughly inbuilt the paradigm is that violence is what needs to be used when we're going to really exert power and, and, uh, and do inter humanitarian interventions or anything we want to do. When it's tough, we have to use violence. Uh, but that's shifting now. Quakers understood it 
350 years ago because it was what they see what they felt naturally you do when the spirit is in you saying love people and do what's right and set up the conditions under which it's easier for people to do right and to stop oppressing each other that the the practical dimension of quakers uh, was was expressed through nonviolent struggle struggle mind you struggle now not everybody responds in that way right some people say well spirituality means i should avoid struggle but for early quakers uh it, the, the spirit wanted us to go out and do struggle and so quakers would pick fights Quakers would go into churches, for example, and after a preacher had preached something that they felt was really wrong, they would stand up and contradict the preacher, even though that meant that it was pretty likely they would be grabbed by the parishioners nearby and dragged out of the church and beaten up just outside the church. But they would do that. That's an example of nonviolent struggle. It's because, yes, we wake war with inner weapons, and they even called themselves people who were struggling for the Lamb's War. They were fighting the Lamb's War. So this was a warrior outfit, these 17th century Quakers, who were fighting with nonviolent means. There's a new scholarly book that the political scientists, hard-boiled political scientists who wrote it, are getting enormous uh, credit for, uh, describes in ways that political scientists and hard-boiled realists, you know, uh, 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 governance people, are taking deeply seriously uh, because the book describes over 300 struggles in which... Um, Regime change has been the issue, you know, overthrowing governments or getting out from under an empire or stopping an occupation, big stuff. Uh, and in this book, they proved that the movements that chose nonviolent means to do this were twice as effective as the movements that chose violent means, twice as effective. Now, to anyone who's pragmatic of mind, this is... This is news. This is extremely important. So it's not only seeing the Egyptians overthrow Mubarak or seeing the Tunisians overthrow their dictator or the other uh, kinds of uh, recent experiences that we've seen, but it's also the scholarship, which is important in terms of idea formation, is beginning to catch up with this idea of nonviolent struggle. It's just believing that the earth is flat. You can't really hold it against people for believing the earth is flat. At a certain time in history, everybody knows the earth is flat. And at this time in history, most people just know that violence is the only way to do things when it's tough. However, the excitement for me is that there have been sufficient breakthroughs so that now an opening may exist. And maybe some adventurous person watching this will decide to open themselves to new possibilities. So that's this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. For more Quaker Speak goodies and to watch the footage of this interview with George, you can visit quakerspeak.com where you'll also find a wealth of other Quaker-related content. Um, we mentioned earlier subscribing to Friends Journal, but another great way to support Quaker Speak is by purchasing the DVD. It will make a great addition to your meetings library, and you can uh, get that at quakerspeak.com DVD. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll uh, see you next week.